Welcome to Lakeland Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Lakeland, please visit our website at lakeland.church. Hey, <laughs> uh, how's everybody doing today? My name is Jason. I'm the next gen pastor here at Lakeland. Listen, I'm so excited to be unpacking week two of Trust Factor. But before we get into that, I want to hijack a little bit to talk about a few things that are happening that the video didn't have time to touch on, all right? So uh, in case you didn't notice in the lobby, church merch is back. Yes, thank you. Jeez, it's going to be a hard morning. All right, so this is very exciting because if you haven't been uh, around with us for a while, church merch is a big part of our DNA because we want this circle in the community to symbolize someone that knows hope. We want the circle to say somebody in this circle, in this community, knows where to find good news about Jesus. And from the pandemic till now, we haven't had a physical church merch store in the building in a long time. That's a big deal for someone like me. I got to feel it before I trust it, right? So that online order and stuff did not work for me. So you can check out in the lobby. Uh, if you're online right now or in VR, I don't know, drop t-shirt in the chat and we'll figure out how to help you. I should have asked about that before I came up, but... This one uh, is going to bring hope to somebody. I've not, I, this, we did not try this beforehand. So somebody. Yeah. <laughs> All right, there we go. Right over the top. Uh, that was pathetic. All right, so uh, that's church merch being back. Uh, and secondly, uh, just an egg drop update. So I'm next-gen pastor, which means birth through high school graduation. Uh, and we've been talking about egg drop a bit. I want to give you some updates, okay? So as of this morning, we had 3,800 people registered to be at egg drop. That is just shy of 4% of Walworth County will be at Lakeland Airfield at one time, letting Lakeland share the generosity of Jesus with them. And to get that done, we still need your help. So if you're in town, and even if you don't have kids or grandkids, we would love it if you would jump on board. Our teams are getting full, but they could always be fuller. We would love to get a chance to share this with you. We would take 30 people right now and put them into spots that would make massive impacts on the event. So uh, you can text DROP to whatever that number was, uh, or you could grab uh, one, of, uh, one of the kids' check-in desk. would be glad to write down your name and your email address and get you signed up to a team. Egg DROP is going to be incredible. I can't wait to share the stories that come out of it. But on to Trust Factor week two, because last week we started a four-week conversation uh, all about how we can live in life when our faith and our trust are different, right? We define faith as your relationship with God. It's where you stand between him and you, what you're investing into it, how you're feeling about it, that you feel and you trust and you know that he will do what he's promised to do. That's faith. And then we define trust as what you're doing daily and how you're putting that faith into action, right? So they're similar but different. And when they're both high, when they're both strong, they feel like the exact same thing. But the truth is, when we start asking questions or when God doesn't meet the expectations that we hoped for, our trust starts to peel away from our faith. And that's a dangerous spot to be in. And and throughout the series, we're going to tackle questions like, how do I trust God when life is crashing around me? That was last week. If you missed it, I encourage you to go to YouTube or scroll down forever through our Facebook feed and find it so you can kind of jump back on board with us. We are going to talk about uh, how can I trust Jesus when the plan changes, Right? How can I trust Jesus with everything that I have? And today's topic, today's question, really comes down to this. How can I trust Jesus, or how can I trust God? Trust factor. How can I trust God when life is confusing? 
How do I trust God when life is confusing? When life is confusing, when life is going sideways, when life is not matching the things I had hoped for, what can I do to trust God fully? And I think this is a natural follow-up to last week's conversation. Because long before your world starts crashing around you, it's probably confusing. Right? Very rarely do we just randomly hit a brick wall that stops us from understanding our life or makes it feel like it's crashing down. But often we get confused along the way. And I think this is really important because sometimes life crashes around us, but other times it just feels tense and confusing. And, and scientists actually say that when we're confused, when we're stressed, when we're worried, it can impact our, our mental health, our, our strength, our physical health, right? It touches everything. And it also touches your faith in your walk with Jesus. So in my life, for example, when I was 16, my dad was diagnosed with cancer. Not a lot, a lot of people here know this story about me, but my dad was diagnosed with cancer when I was 16 years old, and I was confused, I was angry, I was tense. I didn't remotely care if God was real. I walked away from my faith for two years because God did not match the things I had trusted him to match. I was destroyed. I was angry, right? And it just came with layers and layers. Confusion often comes with layers. If you're sitting at home in VR in the room right now, you kind of know this, that when you're confused about one thing, it's not too far off before you're confused about seven. They just build on top of each other, right? I was confused as to why my dad would be the one sick Right, my dad, we were the good family, right? We were the good kids of the God family. We were at church four days a week. That's a lot. Even if you work here, it's a lot. We were there. Why was he the one that was sick, right? I was angry at God because the medicine wasn't working. I was, you know, I was angry at God because nobody seemed to see what I was going through. I was angry at God because I felt alone. And then, having dealt with none of my confusion, my dad was declared cancer free, and I went, okay, me and God are good. And so about two, three, four weeks later, my dad passed away in our living room when I was 18. And suddenly this confusion, this anger, this tension, it all came roaring right back up as if it had gone nowhere at all. But we know that life is going to be confusing. We know that life has been confusing too. You've had things that have, expectations that have not been met. You have moments that have damaged your trust in God and how we handle those things are going to be incredibly important. But I want to start with this. I want to find a baseline. Because we're talking about a confusing life. Often it's hard to figure out where truth is and where the baseline is worth relying on. And I think we actually see the baseline, right? In, in Luke 12, Jesus says this. I'm just now piecing together. I think the TV's broke. So uh, just pay attention. All right. That's why in, in, in Luke 12, Jesus says this. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? That's not what I want to hear. Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? Consider how the wildflowers grow. They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all of his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is who, if that's how God clothes the grass of the field, which are here today, and tomorrow is thrown into fire, how much more will he clothe you, you of little faith? And do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after all such things. Those far from God run after what they're going to eat and what they're going to drink. And your father, uh, do not worry about them. But seek his kingdom, and these things will be given to you as well. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. The baseline we need to set up is all in this verse God has your back. 
Even when life is confusing, even when it's crushing, even when we don't have answers, even when you are struggling for months at a time, for years at a time, God has your back. Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. He will be pleased to give you the kingdom again. Sometimes we just have to bear down and wait. So if we're going to have a confusing moments in our life, the thing we have to wrestle down is really this. The baseline that I want us to kind of cling to here is that God really wants his best for you. <laughs> God wants his best for you. That is the baseline that we can trust ourselves upon, right? If God is who he says he is, if we have faith in who God says he is, then we have to believe, we have to trust that he has plans for us that will be good in the end, that he will work something out. And even if it doesn't make sense to us at the time, if we trust him and work our way through, it will make sense to him in the end, right? It'll make sense to us in the end, right? I would say this, your, your endurance for living in a confused life will greatly depend on how much you trust that God has his best in store for you. If you're running on your own strength and trying to figure out your own confused moment, then God, then you're not gonna be able to. You're gonna run out of time. You're gonna run out of energy. You're gonna run out of endurance. You're gonna give up if you're trying to do it on your own. Why wouldn't you try to tackle it with the God of the universe at your back? Knowing that he has the best in store for you, knowing that he wants the best in store for you, why would you not dive in that way? So the question today, again, is how do I trust God when life is confusing. And if you've been around the church for a while or if, you, if you're working on your trust in your faith side of God, you might hit Google, you might just open the Bible. But I think if we're honest, sometimes the Bible on first, second, third, fourth pass can just be confusing. So if you walked in here today and you've been like, everybody around me knows everything the Bible says, I know nothing, you're fine. Just like life is confusing, sometimes God's word can be confusing because we want to open it up and we want to see it be like a well-founded TED Talk, Right? We want it to be a Jesus talk where it's 10 minutes from the creator of the universe and he finishes up by saying, thanks for coming to my TED talk, communion's in the lobby, right? Like we want, we want that moment to be true. And I love TED talks, right? Like, like experts in their field bringing it down to my dumb level for 10 minutes is incredible. I actually try to listen to one or two a week. It's kind of a habit of mine. So when I realized that those that are just turning to the Bible and trying to find a quick hit answer, looking for a Jesus TED talk, Jesus Ted, Jesus slash Ted talk, might find confusing. So Jesus followers, by the way, found this confusing too. I sat down and I said, well, I was going to do this. I'm going to find a Ted talk generator that gave me five random Ted talks. And I was going to try to find, I was going to force myself to listen to them because Jesus followers sometimes felt like it was on shuffle, right? He would be confused. They wanted to put their full trust in Jesus. They wanted to put their full faith in Jesus but actually they would leave being like, wait, did you, what did you get on that part? Because that's not what, hold on. Let's go ask them some questions, right? They got confused. So just for your pleasure, these are the five TED Talks I subjected myself to this week. Number one, this was a random generator. Inside, <laughs> the mind of a master procrastinator was the first one I listened to. Kind of got bored, right? Didn't really dive in, right? Inside the mind of a procrastinator. The second one I dove into was, do schools kill creativity? Definitely got bored there, right? It was super confusing, dove over, right? Next was your body language shapes who you are. Barely made it through. Now this one got me. How to hold your breath for 17 minutes. <laughs> Had me. Had me the whole, whole time. By the way, can't do it. Even after watching the TED Talk, can't do it. And the final one I came across uh, that generated for me was how great leaders inspire action. Finally. 
And I imagine this is sometimes how followers of Jesus back in his day and followers of Jesus today actually feel. We sit down and we're like, no, 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 oh, no, no. And we get kind of confused as to like, that's helpful. That was life-changing. So shouldn't this also equally be helpful and life-changing? And we kind of end up in this tension where we feel like God's the one that's wrong. It's not. We're the ones that are missing it, right? We're the ones that are missing it. When, when one thing makes sense and the other one doesn't, it just means it's not our time yet or we're the one that's missing the point, right? For real, those five random videos are what I came across. But today, back on track, Today we're going to be diving into Luke 11 through 13, which is a three-chapter section of Scripture Oh, that is actually going to show us how confusing even following Jesus was back in his time. If you're confused by following Jesus now, we're in good company, right? Because a lot of Jesus' teachings, his sermons, his lessons, some of them made sense, right? Like the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 8, is incredible. It is one TED Talk thought. Right, And it just goes straight down the line. It's just incredibly helpful. Right? I mean, the Sermon on the Mount goes, uh, it's pretty easy to follow along with. It's God blesses these people. God's angry at these people. It gives teachings about wondering or being cautious about adultery, divorce, broken promises, revenge, loving enemies, giving, prayer, money and possessions, not judging, the golden rule. How do I identify true followers of Jesus? Building on a solid foundation. Makes sense. And if you're struggling with one of those things, just dive right into Matthew 5 through 8. You'll find a great answer. But then... We go to Luke 11 through 13, where Jesus' followers are sitting down. They're like, all right, let's do us a Sermon on the Mount. Let's do us a TED Talk, right? And then Jesus just kind of goes, and these are the things he covers in these three chapters. You're going to see they are not connected, and they are confusing. Teaching about prayer. All right, good. That's normal. Let's do it, right? Teaching about prayer. Then we see Jesus is going to talk about getting accused of his power coming from Satan. What? Right? And then it just keeps going, right? The sign of Jonah, teaching about how the wicked generation isn't receiving the new wisdom, how to receive the light. Oh, thank goodness, we're back to being normal again, right? We're going to talk about religious leaders, a warning about hypocrisy, money, and possessions, being ready for the Lord's return. Jesus causes division in family. Getting confusing again. The parable of the barren fig tree. Now we're really confused. Why did horticulture enter this equation, right? And then it just keeps going. You know, Jesus talks about uh, healing people, mustard seeds, and yeast, a narrow door. We have a construction problem. And then Jesus ends up grieving over Jerusalem. So can we just be free for a second and say, as a follower of Jesus, walk around here and like, okay, I'm taking notes. Okay, what? So if you've ever felt confused by what God is trying to say to you in a moment, if you've ever been looking for his wisdom and not found the thing that matched your need, you're all right. You're in good company. Because Jesus' followers, while they had a perfect teacher, they very rarely had perfect understanding. His disciples had the one that was teaching everything perfectly, and they still left confused. But here's the thing. While Jesus' followers didn't always understand, that wasn't a reason to leave. It was a reason to follow and ask. It was a reason to seek for answers and sharpen up their understanding, but it was never a reason to walk away. So if you're confused about where your life is, if you're confused about where God is in it, if you're confused about what he's doing, welcome. Because we all have been, we all will be again. 
But if this is the truth, and if we know life is going to be confusing, if we know that life is going to throw these things at us, what can we do to actually fix it? What can we do to actually make our life better and trust that God is going to be there when life is confusing? How can we take handles on this, right? Because the truth is, we can't change what happened to us, we can't rewind time, we can't change the way we reacted, we can't change the thing that happened, we can't change the past, hakuna matata, but we can tackle something better in the future if we learn how to handle what God has given us. So we're going to dive after three questions today. Three questions to ask when life is confusing and when you feel like you don't know which way is up and you don't know where God is going to move next. When you're confused about life, if you're confused about life, this is where you start. Baseline, God wants what's best for me. He's for you. He's the perfect father in heaven. If we know how to be okay dads here, it's only because he showed us how to be perfect dad up there. So here are the three questions you can ask. Number one is this. Where's my focus? When life is confusing, where is my focus? And here's what I mean by that, right? So, so years ago, my best friend and I worked at the same church. He was a guy named Chris. Love him to death still. But we had this tendency that we turned every single lunch into a complaint, a palooza, about what was happening at work and what was happening in our families, right? And then as if complaining for four hours a week sitting around Chipotle wasn't enough, we then decided to carpool together to work, and that added a full 40 extra minutes each day of complaining. Our focus was on everything that was going wrong, on everything we disagreed with, on everything that we didn't like about our in-laws, everything we didn't like about our houses, everything we didn't like about the church, right? Everything about it. And while it started being genuinely funny, we were just trying to have a good time, trying to laugh some stuff off. You know what happened the more that we were focused on the things that were going wrong? The more we found things that were going wrong. When life is confusing and all we focus on is the confusion, the confusion will get bigger and it will overwhelm us. By complaining that much, by focusing on what was wrong that much, by not using my focus to make me better, I poisoned my soul. It took me years to deprogram out of that complaining mindset and to get back to a spot where neutral was trusting people. And the same thing happens when we sit down and we just focus on the things that confuse us because they seem bigger and bigger the more we think about them. This is why Jesus, by the way, everything we're gonna pull out of that 11 through 13 random shuffle of Jesus' teachings, because when you dive in and you actually go deep, you'll find the answer to your confusion lies within God's promises. So Luke 11, 33 through 35 says this. No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand so that those who come in may see the light. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are healthy, your whole body is also full of light. But when they're unhealthy, your body is also full of darkness. Check out this. See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. You guys see it? Your eyes, what you're focusing on, determines so much of your soul's health. When you focus on the light things, when you focus on things from God, when you focus on the good things, your soul is filled with good things from God. But then when you turn your attention and you create a shadow in your life and all you do is share, stare at the shadow, what happens? Your life gets darker. The confusion gets bigger. And this is why Paul in, in Philippians 4.8 said this. He said, fix your Nope. Fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. 
If you're wondering what your eyes should be focused on, boom, here you go. Things that are true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable. Think about them because they are excellent and they will fill your soul with light when you focus on these things. So if you're in a confusing, confusing state, let's get real about this. If you are confused right now about your life and where God is going and where you want to go with him, I want you to do this right now. If you're confused right now, I want you to open up a new note on your phone and I want you to put a tally every time over the next week you think about that thing that is confusing and isn't working right in your life. I want you to see how many times a week you choose to focus on that thing that is broken. Now again, it probably shouldn't be zero because then you're not doing the work with God, you're not doing the work with your life to make it better. But it also shouldn't be 40. Four times a day, we should not be overwhelmed and concerned about the thing that is confusing us, right? And here's the work. Once you figure out what that baseline level is right now, that you're focusing on the thing that's broken, that you're being overwhelmed by, that you're confused by, once you get that baseline level, then you're going to start to replace some of those tally marks with this. True, honorable, right, pure, lovely, admirable, things that are excellent. And the goal, if we're going to use our focus properly, if we're going to use our focus to rely on God and let him change our lives, then we're going to see those tally marks move from the column of the thing that confuses me, the thing that's broken, and we're going to see them start to move over to a whole new list. How many times a week do I think about these things? How many times a week do I focus on this? Because remember, what our eyes take in are the condition of our soul. So what are you going to do with that this week? Where are you going to put your focus? On the thing that's confusing and broken, sure. But unhealthy amounts, no. Instead, focus on these things. So the first question, where's my focus? Second question is this. When you're confused in life, you ask, what am I praying for? What am I praying for? Right? And I think this is a challenging, wide-open question that's worth interacting with. In your confusion, what are you praying for? Because let's be honest. You can pray for your preferred outcome. That's okay, that's good. You can pray for the thing you want God to do. You can pray against the thing you don't want God to do. Other side of the aisle, but I think it's okay. Right? You can pray to move the hands of God. You can pray in frustration. You can pray in happiness. You can pray in doubt. You can pray in in anger. You can pray all of those things. Right? But I'm willing to bet that people miss out on the prayer that is most important during the confusing moments because they're trying to pray their direction into God's will. They're trying to pray their outcome. They're trying to pray the thing they want into the will of God in a way that then they can sit back and say, God gave me what we wanted. He's a good guy. Nailed it. Good job, G. Let's go. But the truth is, again, if our baseline is that God wants what's best for you, then he might know what's better for you. And this is what Jesus was talking about. In Luke 11, 9 through 10, he says this. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find, knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. The one who sees find, seeks find, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Ask, seek, and knock. Ask, seek, and knock. And this is what we start to pray for, the right things when we're confused. We begin to ask. We ask what God's will might be in the situation that's confusing us. We seek. We search out how he wants us to chase after that thing, how he wants us to move our lives in alignment with him. We ask him what he's going for. We seek the way to get there. And when we arrive, we knock. And guess what happens? The door will be open to you. But instead, we sit there and we go, all right, I'm going to ask God what to do. By the way, God, it's that thing. And then we just sit and we just wait for him to move to our desired outcome. Anybody guilty? Yes, because I am and I hope I'm normal, right? So 
Ask, seek, and knock. Ask where God is going, seek that direction, knock, and he'll open the door to you. Now what this does not mean, don't misquote this. It does not mean that God is going to give you everything you ask for. As a matter of fact, James, in James 4, 3, actually says this. He says, when you ask, you do not receive. Why? Because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. But what Jesus is after is your commitment to search for him, to ask, to seek, to knock. And the more time you're, conf- the biggest times of your confusion in life are the times you need to be ask, seeking, and knocking the most. You need to be diving in and praying harder, praying more often, seeking his word more often, relying on the people that God has around you more often. When you're confused, it is not time to be a he-man and do it yourself. It is a time to push in and ask, what am I praying for? But to kickstart your prayer through this confusion, Here's the challenge for you. I want you to pray. I want you to seek trust, not clarity. Praying for clarity is all right. It means you'll know the path. It means you can see what God is doing. Praying for clarity might mean praying for an outcome. It might mean praying for a moment. It might mean praying for the thing that happens that you want to happen. But praying for trust, sorry, let's say it this way. Praying for clarity might break you because you might not get the clarity that you're searching for because you're going to get God's clarity instead. Praying for clarity might break you. Praying for trust will only make you stronger. Praying for trust will only help your life look more like Jesus in the confusing times. Now what Lisa didn't know earlier, and what I didn't tell her to pressure her, is that if she told the story that God was laying on her heart, I would tell the story that God's laying on my heart. And I wrote one into my message, and it was not this. It was some pithy little thing about me being the king of side hustles. So if you want to hear that one later, it can be bonus content. (laughs) See, because my family and I are in a confusing moment right now. And I didn't use it last week. I didn't bring it up last week because I don't feel the life is crashing down around us. But with this new filter of what do you, how do you trust God when life is confusing? Well, that's, that's it. So I have two kids. My, my daughter, Rory, seven years old, first grade. If you've seen her, you've talked to her, and she's talked to you for five minutes. Sorry about that. We have a two-year-old named Landon. My two-year-old has five words. Let's be correct here. My three-year-old in two months has five words. Now, if you don't know parents and you don't have a developmental cycle in your head, that's okay. Because the truth is, by the end of three, they should have about 500 words, maybe 100, but they should understand 1,000 more. And over the last year, every night I've prayed for words to come. I've prayed for God to move in my son's brain, to fix whatever the struggle is, to make him normal. And so far, over the course of nine months of praying that, we have gained three words. And suddenly these things start popping up into our head, right? Is it autism? A word I've said out loud to the closest 10 people to me, but never publicly. 
Is it a learning disability? Is it something that will stick? Is it something that will shape his life? And guys, I've worked for nine months to pray my direction into his path, both Landon's path and God's path. I've come into this service several times and thought maybe I should ask for prayer, and then I walked out the door to look busy. Because yet again in my life, I'm sitting confused. And yet again in my life, God is not moving to the directions of my prayer. So it was while writing this, while that line came into my head of pray for trust, not clarity, that I've started praying this also. Every night, I'm now praying to trust what God has in store, to trust what God is going to do. And you know what it has not done? It has not made my confusion any lighter. But you know what it has done? It has helped me trust that God still wants the best things for my son. If you're in a confusing moment, praying for trust will not come back void. It will not come back empty. Praying for trust will come back with you at least I guarantee you, at least trusting God more that he wants what's best for you. So where is your focus? What are my prayers? You know why I don't like this story? Because it doesn't have an ending that I think will motivate you. <laughs> right? There's no like, and then I did this, and then God did this, and a thousand people came to egg drop. Um, <laughs> it doesn't have that. Sometimes the confusing moments of what God is doing don't have that. But how we handle it matters. Where's my focus? What am I praying? And the last thing when you're in a confusing season of life, I want you to ask this. Where is my effort? What am I putting my effort forward to, right? What am I giving myself to? Where am I putting, where am I sowing trust? Where am I bearing trust so I can find it later? Where am I, where am I bringing up what God has in store for me? Where am I doing, where am I trusting, where am I pushing forward? Where is my effort going? Is your effort going to Googling the same thing for the 102nd time? It's not gonna help anymore. Is your effort going to spending time with God and praying and getting surrounded by people and reading his word? That'll help. Are you giving your effort towards telling your story to the 17th person in the office that hasn't heard it yet? That's doing things on your own. So the question is, where is my effort? And you want to see where this lands in that Luke 11 through 13? This was so cool when it kind of dawned on me, right? It actually says this in Luke 13, 18 through 21. Then Jesus asked, what is the kingdom of God? What is it like? What shall I compare it to? It is like a mustard seed which a man took and planted in his garden. It grew and it became a tree and the birds perched in its branches. Sweet. And again he asked, what shall I compare the kingdom of God to? It is like yeast that a woman took and mixed into about 60 pounds of flour until it worked all through the dough. Motivation. Right? But we sit down and it's like, okay, I, I, Jason, listen, I, I was with you. Where's my focus. That makes sense to me. Where's my prayer? I get it. It's hard, but I get it, right? What in the world does this have to do with where my effort's going? So let's look at what these things have in common, what Jesus is going after, right? What does a, a, a tree seed, a plant seed, and yeast, 
Well, they're both things that take a little effort and a lot of time. Right? It takes a little effort to plant a seed and to nurture it. And you give it time, then what happens? God builds something so big that other things can live inside and on top of it. When your effort takes a little bit of effort to put more faith and more trust into your daily life, and you do it long enough, and you give that faith and trust time, eventually your faith will grow to be a giant that other people can find themselves finding hope in. Because they watched you go through it. When you're on the other side of your confused life, when you're on the other side of your question marks, and you look back and you say, that tree wasn't there when I started, it's because you invested in it and you gave it time throughout the process, and look what happened at the end. That's what makes your confusing moments worth it, is the thing that God leaves behind. Yeast, same thing. I understand baking this much, right? But my understanding is it takes a lot of effort to make bread, I guess. But you put in yeast, and you work it in, and you build it, and you push it, and you put in the effort, right? And what comes out of it? Dough, which turns into bread, which feeds other people. When you're in a confused moment of life, when you're sitting there and you're stuck, what you're doing with your effort matters because you can sit there and you can, I don't like this word, but you can wallow and you can just sit in the mud and be like, I'm confused and this stinks and I guess, hmm. Or you can go, I'm confused and this stinks, so I'm gonna invest the little bit of faith that I have left into this and I'm gonna nurture it and I'm gonna pour water onto it and I'm gonna buy fertilizer and whatever you else do to make things grow. And on the other side of it, God is going to take my faith and he's going to use it as an example for what to do for other people. He's going to use it and grow something that's big enough, not just for other people to rely on, but so it's going to be so big. If you invest your faith while you're confused on the other side of it, it's going to be a landmark showing what God did when you couldn't do anything of your own. That's what's at risk. That's what's on the other side of this thing. How we handle our confused moments matter, not just because it will show us how close we are to God and how far we are to God. It'll matter because it will do the landmarks that eventually build to make our life. What you do here matters. So here's the last thing I, I need you to hear this morning. And I have no timer in the back, so the Lord knows where we're at. So God isn't looking for the quickest solution to your confusion. He's just not. He's waiting for the right moment to give you his solution. Because again, our baseline, that foundational truth is that God wants what's best for you. And just like the plants in the field and the birds in the sky, he's going to give it to you. But it's what he believes is best. What he knows is right. So my challenge to you guys, and it's the same challenge that Moses gave the Israelites in Deuteronomy 8, where he actually said, basically, he said, don't waste this wilderness moment. Don't waste the moment where you feel like you're wandering through the desert. You're desperate for something to grab onto. You're looking for water. You're looking for food. You feel like you're stuck in the desert, abandoned by all hope, confused, where you can't even see what's in front of you, right? Confuse the daylights out of you. That's where you're at. If you're there right now, don't waste your desert. Focus on the right things, whatever is good, pure, admirable, excellent. Focus on those things. Pray. Pray for clarity. No, pray for trust. <laughs> See, it's been a morning. Pray for trust and watch it grow and then put your effort into that growth and see the landmarks that God puts on the other side. Do not waste your confused wilderness saying you can't do it because it's not up to you to do it. It's up to God to move again. Now, a sermon like this, a message like this, a morning like this has so much rolled into it. So if you're confused, if you're in a life where you feel like God has cheated you, or the world has taken something from you, or someone has damaged you so much that you 
you're broken. Don't leave today without praying about it. Don't leave today without what am I praying for ring right here, right now. After we pray together, we're gonna have our prayer teams up front and we have prayer people ready in the chat if you're online. But God doesn't, un- God doesn't have a service like this in store for us to go good notes and walk out the door. When God leads people to bleed their experiences out, it's because he's trying to tell you something. And I know there's something that he's told you. So don't leave without praying about it. Don't leave without focusing on the right things. Don't leave without putting your effort towards the right things. Would you guys pray with me? Lord, when we are confused, we are tired. When we are confused, we are broken. When we're confused, we're stressed. When we're confused, we're lost. But Lord, none of that, none of that changes who you are. None of that changes that you're waiting to help us live a life that is abundant and not full with worry. So Lord, I pray right now for the people that walked in confused, the people that walked in stressed, the people that walked in burdened. Lord, I pray that in these moments now and in the ones to follow that they will do business with you, Lord. They will walk up to an altar full of people loving in your spirit, Lord. And they will walk up and they would lay down the wrong thing and pick up the right thing. That they would lay down worry and they would lay down stress and they would pick up hope. Lord, help us to focus on the right things. Help us to pray for the things that grow our faith and help us to put that faith into action through our efforts, Lord. Let us leave free of the confusion and the burden that we walked in with because we left it here and we declared the name Jesus over it. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you guys. We'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to the Sermon of the Week. If you'd like to partner with Lakeland in helping people follow Jesus, be changed by Jesus, and commit their lives to the mission of Jesus, you can contribute to the mission by visiting lakeland.church forward slash give.